When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the Churros, the Tacticas podcast. It is Tuesday, January 26th. We are here for a delayed episode of Churros. It's been a while. I'm so sorry. We're both sorry. It's been since last month, Monday that we recorded because life just happens, but we are back on track on Tuesday. A little bit extra crispy because they were in the oven for a little bit longer than anticipated, but they're still nice and fluffy on the inside. And joining me as always is my very fluffy Diego Lorin. How you doing? <laughs> hey, less fluffy, man. Less fluffy. Come on now. I'm, uh, I'm, I would say I'm in the best shape that I've almost ever been, honestly. Oh, Even I watched that dropping. basketball video you posted on Instagram. Oh. I was like, who's yeah. that? <laughs> you look great. You look great, buddy. Thanks, dude. Still got it as well. Yeah, I was a little tight. You know, I had to loosen up a little bit, uh, but I, I still my shot's still there. So no, it was good. And man, what a what an honor, what a treat to be playing a little bit of ball, a little one on one in El Palau Blaugrana, this Barça's you know uh, stadium. So uh, no, a lot of fun. That's a lot of hard work, and and we had a little bit of time there to uh, have a bit of fun. And whenever I can dribble a ball and shoot some hoops, I. I jump on that opportunity and opportunity and if it's in such a you know mythical air, arena and stadium such as the Palabra Grana was all the better it's I mean can you imagine like I'm, I was telling my wife was showing her the video and she's kind of as she does with things of sports <laughs> it's zero address you know zero sort of like oh cool she was like oh you look cute I'm like listen this is not a cute thing and I had to break it down I was like imagine I would be dribbling a ball and and you know, got the chance to shoot a goal inside of the camp. No, now again, this you got to you know your audience because also that didn't you know that failed to impress her. But uh, it was pretty much like that. It's like imagine you're you're able to tread onto the pitch of the camp. No, Bernabeu, whatever mythical stadium uh, there uh, there is in the world, and shoot a ball into the back of the net and and you know have a bit of fun dribbling. So it's like that. And I say that because with the camp, no, I've I've been on the pitch uh, uh, several times but never actually stepping over the line like you're not allowed they, they, you mm. should see the security there Kian. it's it's absolutely you know you're not allowed to tread foot onto the pitch you're, you're allowed to get up until the line but not over it um mm. because uh well for thousands of reasons of, of you know keeping the grass etc cetera, etc cetera. but uh, so yeah it was it was really cool man. it was very nice well, I, I didn't think of that side either To in defense of your wife. All I thought about was your jumper. So, <laughs> but I guess when you put it that way, I if, if it was a burn, but I get to shoot on the net, sure. I don't think that's ever going to happen, but I don't think I've ever been on the pitch either. 
Oh, I have I like as a no, I have as a fan in the stadium tour. Yes, but yeah, you're right. But nothing where you can cross the line or anything. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. How many tries did it take you to, so in order to upload that video? Uh, How many misses? No, why? Oh no, I didn't even know I was being filmed. I was, I was schooling these youngsters, man. I, I, I've got game. Listen, when it comes to basketball, I, I know I'm, I've got a good shot, and I can take on, uh, you know. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, the fair majority, at least of my work colleagues, I know I can take them all to school. Like, I've got that much confidence in my game. So I was telling them each to step up and, and see if they could beat me. And they uh, they couldn't, man. They got nothing on me. So I was being filmed. I didn't know. But one of my colleagues, she passed me the video after. Well, when this is over, brother, that's on the, that's on the top of the list. Play some hoops in Barcelona. <laughs> on a nice it. courts. Any that courts near good. the beach there? Yes, of course, plenty, man, plenty. Done. I actually, through this pandemic, right. I've learned that uh, several of the people I know and talked about football only, like Eduardo Alvarez and Lucas, these guys actually play ball uh, in recreation ball. So that's on my list okay. is like to go in and play basketball with everybody in Spain. Now that we all know here, that it's a, a common challenge. thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Well, here, I'll propose a challenge for, for you and everybody in that Managing Madrid squad. That was mentioned on the tweet the left, that I was left out on. I'll take all of you suckers on one by one. How's that? You have height over me, I think, right? I'm 5'7"-ish. Five, five, yeah, I definitely got height over you. What Not are you much, at? Are you 6? Are you at 6? Um, no, I mean, I think in... in oh, you guys go by meters, inches, right? I'm 5'10". Yeah, I mean, I'm 1, one meter 80. And I think that's around... 5'10", maybe a little bit higher than 5'10". So, for, I, I play good maybe defense. Taller, I, I play good defense. Okay. And uh-huh. I'm a streaky shooter. So, I can go 0 for 100 or like okay, or like maybe 10 for 100. So, I can... Oh, man. Well, I, I got you. I yeah. Got you you can leave me open or... But I, I, I can blow by you. That's that's my... But I don't know. You look yes. pretty lean and agile, it, so but, I don't know. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not quick at all. Like my my biggest uh, hurdle is that it's like my. I'm not explosive anymore for shit. And I noticed that. Like I'm very slow off the, off of the out of the out of the gates. Let's say, and I'm just very. I'm just stiff, man. Like I don't know. I uh, not fast. So you you definitely can blow by me. Yeah, I, I would have trouble stopping you. So you you would you would just have to take me, take me to the hole, baby. You know, take me to the rim. That's what I would suggest. So yeah, I'm laying it out open for you. Well, we'll see. I, uh, I've, uh, I'll, I'll leave. Uh, I'll do my talking on the court in, in a. What did you say? Like maybe a year? Let's guess. Uh, a, one year from now, we can play hey. possibly. Possibly. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Vaccines getting great? rolled out. We'll something. see. Um, listen. Mm-hmm. I so this morning, <clears throat> I uh, I watched the Barca game because I mm-hmm. I hadn't watched it yet, and uh, I just it was boring. That's my complaint. That's my complaint today. <laughs> I was going to say, you clearly had nothing better to do. Oh, okay. Well, I have to at least know what I'm talking about. So that was one game that I thought was important to watch for the sake of this podcast. And I, I think I'm at like almost two games a day now, like just for the past few weeks. I think wow. more like one and a half so I can finish one and then maybe get through half of the other, save the next half for the next day and just basically cycle. I, I'm barely watching anything live unless it's Real Madrid. Or uh, uh-huh. or the occasional I don't know midweek game or I, I will watch games yeah. live sometimes like the Atleti Valencia game I watch live but 
It's a lot of tape delay for me right now. So I finally watched it this morning and I was bored. So I'm disappointed in, in getting bored. Mm-hmm. That's my complaint. Well, you should know you should know better by now. I mean, you know what was funny, man? So I watched this game with a lot of intrigue, as I always do when Barca comes on. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I would echo, you know, I, I echo your sentiments, man. But not that that is a surprise. The surprise... And the reason why my tone and voice is going up is because also for work, I had to do the 10-minute highlights. And when I did the 10-minute highlights, I was like, shit, like, maybe, what was it boring or was it not so boring? Because when I basically did the, the summary and the highlights and I had to, uh, you know, cut it and, and then narrate them, um, you know, the chances were there, chances were being created, Um uh, what's his name? Bardia was t- tested plenty of times. The Elche goalkeeper, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, you know, we saw good breakout, good, good, good moments of of the young. Obviously, Ricky Puch in the end as well, with having an instant impact. But but Dembele having his chances as well, trying his luck. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I you know, I looked at those ten minutes and I was thinking, why? What 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 is going on here? Is it is it my and that's why I was curious to hear your initial uh, feedback on uh, about this game because I was thinking, am I in a current state of funk where I already approach these matches with the mentality or with the mindset of saying, you know, this is not going to be very entertaining. Let's just hope that we can grind out some three points and you know and and get on with our business, get on with our day. Um, so so again so. Th- yeah, I, I guess my question was, how did you find it? But you've already answered that by saying that it was boring. So it was boring to you. Okay. It was bo- So the, the reason why your highlight package was probably better than you initially remembered it is because it did have it did have several good highlights. Like the highlight package is better mm-hmm. than the game because in between those moments there was a lot of nothing. It's like it was like mm-hmm. just a, a vast ocean and there's really not nothing happening in the yeah. ocean. But then you know you you drive the boat enough, you'll see something every now and then. Um, yeah. so like, and this, it kind of, it got a little, I don't know if it got better, but I, I think so. Like, this is the moments that I can remember Rigoni's breakaway, which Ter Sagan saved. Obviously that's a, that's a big talking point. And then both Trincao and Araujo missed big chances. You had a couple penalty yeah. shouts for Barca that didn't go in. You had the two Barca goals. Um, yeah. what else? You had some good well, moments I mean, from saying- Dembele in this game. Some good moments from Pedri. Just like flashbulb memory. So I think the highlight package probably makes the game better than it actually was. You just, I mean, yeah, you basically just, just touched all the, the points, the, the highlights that we put together. But it's, um, yeah, I think it's maybe un, un, unfair to Trincao to say that that uh, I, I think, you know, the chances that he created for himself were, were good. I think that the way that he came onto the pitch, I think he's been very unlucky as well this season. I remember him having... Um, uh, I think Griezmann passed uh, across the ball and he got a header attempt as well, uh, coming in running. That that took an awkward bounce that Bardia did very well to stop. Um, yeah, that that one was a had, big chance. That was in the 85th minute. That was a big. Yeah, that was a chance, and it was moments later, of course, where he cuts in from the inside and and takes it onto his left foot. To, yeah, with, with, has a very good shot on goal. That again, Edgar did very well to stop. But, um, yeah, I. I, I I don't know, man. It's you know, you, you, if you look at this from the outside, it's a Barca that has now had 
has managed to pick up five consecutive wins uh, away from home, mind you, something that hasn't happened since I think it was 2016 when Luis Enrique was on the bench. So it's it's we're clearly seeing a Barca that is effective, but that is lacking in in brilliance, if you will. Right? Uh, they're 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 not here to showboat, but they're here to take care of business at the moment. Uh, and I think that's all we can expect and ask for as well under the you know the current uh, management. I I, I uh, it. <laughs> There, I think there's, and, and we've said this many times before. On paper, this play, this team has got fantastic players, players that can individually make a difference, but also uh, can combine to make for an interesting highlight package, right? Uh, and, and create some good combinational play. Frankie Young, I think, has been outstanding and continues to be, continues to play well, continues to be. I, mean, I would say a leader of this team. The way that he approached. Um, you know, well, he obviously he got the tap-in goal, which uh, I think it was Oscar Rodriguez, if I'm not mistaken, or was it Diego? Or? Yeah, I was so confused uh, when um, when that was given to De Jong because it just looked like an old goal from every angle. But I guess I didn't realize he got a touch at the end there. Um, it was who was it? Was it Gonzalez or Verdu? I forget who. It Diego, was. Uh, I'm not sure. I'd have to. I think it was Diego. I think it was Diego Gonzalez who got the bad clearance, obviously. Listen, that goal was going in, but, but Kian, if you look at the replay, that the ball didn't cross the line. So, I mean, mm. technically, yes, you have to give that goal to the last player, obviously. That nice pass by Braithwaite for that goal. Even though it, was, it didn't get Braith- its target, which was uh, Griezmann, but the Braithwaite Griezmann, uh, pass yeah. was really nice. Yeah, I mean, look, I think also Braithwaite was um, somewhat of a positive... Uh, you know, he 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 had a, he had a decent game, and he continues to have, I think, good solid performances. I say that because I thought there was a very nasty article that was published the next day in Marca, where they made uh, a very inappropriate comparison between Luis Suarez and and Martin Braithwaite, saying. Um, you know, just comparing the two, basically, from a statistical point of view. Now, that's a battle I think that Martin is always going to lose because you're comparing apples and oranges. You you cannot compare Luis Suarez to Martin Braithwaite. If anything, we would have to compare Luis Suarez. If you're going to compare him to a Barca striker, I would compare him to Ansu Fati. Uh, I know also that in, in that case, the, Ansu plays, of course, on the left and not necessarily as a, a number nine, as a fallout striker, but he has played there. In fact, he's even played... Uh, he has played there in the, in the cadetes and the youth ranks. And Kuman Azir also played him in that position. And I think that would be much more of an apt uh, a comparison if he would be healthy. I, I, I just think it's, it's just a, an article that's published with the kind of intent to, yeah, to, to basically satisfy a certain sector of Madridistas. And I say certain sector because uh, even scrolling through the comments afterwards um, in the article, you know, Madridistas themselves were calling out the... Uh, the author of that, or, or the, I should say, the, the journalist of that article, saying, "Listen, this is just complete nonsense. <laughs> Making this compare, like, what is the point here? Like, uh, you know, the, it, it, it's clearly just to to smear Barca and 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 to take advantage of the moment that that you know Martin Braithwaite is going through, and the poor guy continues to try. And that's a that's another thing I have to say that a lot of the uh, the players like Frankie, um, Braithwaite, I even would say, you know, Griezmann, 
you're, you're seeing players trying, but but just something is not fully clicking that allows this team to, I think, to play at the the the, the level that we want them to, or hope uh, they could. But um, but look, it's it's the results are being grinded out slowly but surely, which is which is what what I'm happy with at the moment. Yeah, well, I will say this: if you're a Barcelona fan, and, I, and look, you're you're much more aware of the Barcelona discourse than I am, but if you're a Barca fan looking at this game, this was without Messi. And, you know, mm-hmm. the XG shows that Barcelona 3.12. Again, you had the two chances that Aujo Trincao missed. You had uh, two penalty shouts that weren't given. You had mm-hmm. you had two sequences that led to two really nice goals. And the other way, Elche did really nothing. They had four shots all game. The big one was the Rigoni chance, who really should have done better. I know we'll, we'll rightfully give Ter Stegen a good save for that, a very important save. But Rigoni really... F- I think he just was in his head. He didn't really know what to do. It's like he couldn't believe his chances of being one-on-one against Barca. Um, I will say about Elche, this Raul Guti cat is growing on me, and not just because of his name, but he actually had some <laughs> Guti-esque passes. He even wears number 14, hey, and he was important heel, in right? their ball progression. Yeah, the back heel in the yeah. first half, but he's a, he seems like a nice player. Um, I did think like Elche defensively weren't that bad, despite some of the numbers, and... Um, that kind of defending in their four-one-four-one, they did something like they put Ivan Marcone just in front of the defense there, very similar to the way Granada used Yanetecki against Real Madrid, where you have someone in front of the defense who is just in charge of making sure that the movement between the lines is stifled, that there's compactness centrally, that they're forced that wide, and they can kind of rotate to their spots. And I thought they defended okay, but you know, this Elche team is—I know, like a lot of people like them, and and I like them because. It's it's just a small team, and you try to root for them, right? But they just really don't have enough in the tank to go against teams like not even Real Madrid, Barcelona, but just like against any team in La Liga. They just they're just they come up short from a talent perspective and from a ta- from a tactical and analytical perspective. They're pretty much the worst team in the league, unfortunately. So yeah, I mean they're so, bound for yeah. second division for sure. Yeah, that's uh, that's probably that Elche's only moment on the Twitter's Tacticus podcast ever. So. Revel in it, LJ fans. <laughs> I was unaware that they had a, a following of some sort, so some sort of hipster, uh, uh, I guess, community. That I don't know that if that's true. I know. just assumed that, like, okay, like after that Real Madrid game when Real Madrid played against them, a lot of like mm-hmm. a lot of nerds, even like on the Managing Madrid podcast, or even just like people, they were like, "Oh, Elche, you know, they, they, I don't know. It's just one of those teams. It's kind of like a Cadiz. Like people just." You can't hate them, right? You're just kind of like, oh, this is a nice, right. nice, cute team. We like these. We like these guys. It's kind of like that vibe. Well, I gotta, I gotta say, I, I'm, I'm consistently impressed with you know the goalkeepers in particular of the lower tier teams. I mean, again, Edgar Badia uh, had just had some fantastic stops where where you know you, you look at that and and you look at where they are in, in the table and you you think, well, wow. I mean, what do you have to do to score in this team because it's it's not that easy. Um. I know we probably want to move on to some other games, but maybe mm. a quick a quick interjection to the match analysis. And mm-hmm. this kind of happened like this morning, so before we started recording, but I woke up to Papu Gomez going to Sevilla. And that's... Right. That's, it's a really intriguing pickup for me. Uh, well, one, because I've, I've watched... I've never actually seen him play like regularly. Because I've actually started watching a lot of Atalanta uh, this season, like mid-season. 
And this is basically after that, you know, he's he's not involved in the team anymore for, for whatever off-field reasons. And so I haven't had a chance to see him. So I've seen a lot of Atalanta without him. Um, and then, so I'm interested to see him. That's one. The second thing is his profile, his, his player profile is not necessarily kind of, doesn't necessarily go hand in hand with the way Sevilla and Lopetegui play because it's a lot of going through the wings. So I'm interested to see Sevilla with that central presence now because they haven't really had it since Banega. I mean, they have players like Jean Jordan and, and Oscar Rodriguez and, and of that ilk. Um, but I think it's interesting to have that central presence now and kind of being able to spray passes at wide but also provide something vertical. I think it's someone really fun for Ocampos to link up with. So I'm very curious how that how that will work. And it's a great pickup for Sevilla. Like this is a really kind of exciting signing for La Liga. We lost Odegaard. We gained a Papu. I like it. I like it's, it for Sevilla. It's massive. It's massive. And um, it's, you know, it's a late Christmas gift for Lopetegui. And, and again, what a what a genius Monchi is to, you know, take away, to strip Atalanta for one of their best players on their team uh, ahead of their uh, Champions League clash against Real Madrid. I mean, I just... The thing that jumped out at me, and I don't know how long this transfer had been brewing, had been in the making, um, because, you know, again, he's one of their best players and their massive clash in the Champions League, of course, is is something that I would imagine a player like him would be... um, uh, would be dreaming to play in, but but it, so when this news actually broke, I just thought, my God, like things must be way worse than I had actually initially anticipated in the Atalanta dressing room between him and his manager. Because um, I mean, I think this transfer clearly stems from that. Whatever happened, whatever went down, I would love somebody more informed to to you know drop some knowledge on this uh, matter because uh, I I. I it, for the life of me, I can't make sense of it. Why would they, what, you know, why, why would they allow this transfer to happen? I, I, I it, it doesn't make sense. I think it's a great pickup for Sevilla. I'll be curious to see as well how Lopetegui will fit him in. But, but you know, his track record and his, his abilities as a player speak for himself. Um, I think it's another attacking force for Sevilla that makes him even more attractive now with Enesidi. Uh, you know the incredible hot streak, hot streak that he's in. It's it's you know Sevilla again becomes a force to be even more record reckoned with, which I think they do good because they're lower in the table than I think they uh, they should be. Actually, having said that, I just noticed they leapfrogged uh, Villarreal to fourth place again, so they have secured or they are in the Champions League spots at the moment. But um, but why why would why would Atalanta do this? I I um, it's a head scratcher for me. It doesn't make sense. Uh, again, knowing how bad things are in the locker room, things must have been even worse for them to uh, let this player, you know, leave their leave their dressing room. Yeah, I mean, I I'm I'm probably not the best person to ask about like what happened with uh with him and Atalanta. Um, I just know that there were disputes, and I think he had a bad relationship with Gasparini and. That's that's all I really know, and that you know this has been lingering for a while, right? Because he he yeah. asked to leave in the winter, um, like in the winter window. But mm-hmm. I think this was this was requested even before the window even opened. So mm-hmm. I, I yes. think I think kind of one of the stumbling blocks was that they didn't want to they didn't want to sell him to someone in Italy, right? 
they didn't want to send him to a rival. So Sevilla, and look, I it's it's nice that it's a team like Sevilla, and probably some of the bigger clubs either didn't have room for him. Uh, well, that's probably the, the main reason why they they just didn't have room for somebody like him because they have other players in midfield. So it's nice to see him in La Liga for sure. Um, I can't wait to see how he links up with Suso as well. I mean, I mentioned in the city about Suso, man. I mean, he he's a, he's a box office player. He's a player just I watch or I tune into Sevilla games just to watch Suso and you know. Really interesting. Yeah, and, and one oh, I, I like Suso a lot, man. I mean, Suso's been on my radar this season big time for Sevilla games. And, and I'm just kind of licking my chops, though, hoping that he can continue this form for the Spanish national side if, if Luis Enrique, of course, counts on him as well because he's just in fantastic form. It's, 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 uh, he's having a great, great stellar season at the moment. I mean, Suso has grown on me. And, um, like, I wasn't a huge fan of Suso, I'll be really honest with you. And every time he was called up for Spain, and it's not like he was called up that often, but he was called up every now and then by Lucho. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't I don't see how this guy's better than, like, the other million players that Spain can put on the wing. But I thought he really made sense. when, Like, when he, when he arrived to Sevilla from Milan, I started to really like his game because he was so direct. And he, he's so good at just making space out of nothing and getting a cross yeah. in or, or a shot in. And you can kind of see the lack of directness sometimes when he doesn't play for Sevilla. And um, <clears throat> and I think it was that Real Madrid game, I remember, when he we, he came off the bench, I think it was. And this is this mm. is kind of like deep down in my in my, my memory because I remember, I think, asking Lopetegui about it because I think he made a difference against Real Madrid. And, um, and, he, and, and Lopetegui was saying, like, yeah, he would have started, but he just he didn't have the match fitness. And so... He's obviously an important player for them. Sometimes you can still see, like, he ju- if he doesn't, if his offense isn't clicking, he doesn't provide anything. But when he's clicking, he's, he looks really good. And this Siri, I'm I'm happy that he's scoring the way he is because, you know, growing up, Diego, and obviously you will relate to this because you you've been longer uh, around longer even more than I have watching La Liga. But Sevilla always had like that really cool striker that was just really good. Like whether it was Freddy Canute or Luis Fabiano, even Julio Baptista and probably others mm-hmm. that I'm not even thinking of right now. But I hope that NSC can develop into something like that. Um, Cause Sevilla really need a striker mm-hmm. that can do that for them consistently. Right. I mean, that's one of the, the, yeah. the missing yeah. puzzle pieces because Luke de Jong didn't provide that. So I, I hope that NSC can develop into like that. F- look high bar, you don't just develop into Freddy Canute, but if you can, That'd be awesome. He's he's on his way, and and let's hope that he can stick around for the long run as well. Because the last uh, time I heard or was flipping the the newspaper, I saw or noticed something where West Ham apparently was trying to buy him for twenty five million. Uh, that number right now seems ridiculously low, seem given the form that he's in as well. So I don't know if the the lure and and obviously the uh, financial power of the Premier League teams is uh, is gonna take away that that request or that hope of yours that he you know can continue this uh this run of form in the long term in the long run for sevilla but but i agree man i mean it's sevilla have had you know very iconic strikers um and it's been a long time coming that that or or yeah i, I suppose they've been lacking that figure up top in the middle uh for quite some time and and it didn't happen with luke um 
uh, from time to time we still see obviously that he he'll he'll put in uh, he'll put in a goal, but um, in his series form right now it's just uh, it's just stunning, man. He just he's great. He just looks fit. He runs. He fights for loose balls. The guy doesn't give up. Falls on the floor. Gets up. Jumps over defenders. You know, puts in headers. Whether it's stunning goals, you know, from long range, or whether it's uh, the more the hard fought one, uh, hard fought ones within the box. And you see, he looks hungry. So, and that and that's great news if you're a, a Sevilla fan, without a doubt. Having said that, by the way, I mean, I, I say the 25 million for for Inicidi seems little at the moment, but yeah, going back to uh, to Papu, they picked him up for five million. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, scandalous in the winter market as well. I mean, that I, again, I don't know the the situation of his contract. Maybe it was it was over at the end of this year, uh, or at the end of the season, I should say. I, I I don't know, but but five million seems like an absolute steal again for Monchi. That's incredible. I mean, look. I obviously it's uh, he, the bargaining chips are what they are when he wants to leave that badly. But right. five million, of regardless, course. you're right. You're completely right. Um, so I don't. I can just tell you from Atletico Valencia that I don't see this Atletico team slowing down. I am. Um, you like this game. You enjoyed this game. I know. I saw some tweets of yours. <laughs> I. I just think so. Here's what impresses me about Atleti, and this is a common trend like beyond like we can talk about like you know you and i did the midweek mid awards mid-season awards last week right mid-season awards. so everybody yes. knows what we think of their players from all black to llorente to jao felix to coke to savage who are all giving athletic great minutes right Trippier, all these guys yes. yes but i think what's to, to hammer home the point what's impressive about them is that they don't need all of those players to be great at any given point, they have. They're such a system-based team that one or two of those players can carry, and, and the player who carries the team can be different from week in, week out. Very similar to like, mm. you know, Raptors after Kawhi left, it was like someone will just step up at any given night, whether it was Pascal or whether it was, whether it was right. Van Vliet, right. whether it was Lowry. Doesn't matter. I mean, obviously that was last season. This season they, they haven't been as good, but uh, it's just kind of that same vibe where it's like. A lot of players contribute, and maybe if it's even unfair to label this game as that, because they actually got contributions from everyone. Like everyone was pretty good. Savage was good again. Um, Llorente was actually a little bit quiet offensively, but he was active defensively and and did did a couple things. Luis Suarez, I didn't even mention him yet. He's been again like very, very good. So I will say about Valencia, they just you know it's funny because you and I were talking about Dominic last week and how. I think he, this was true like a week or two ago. If it, it may probably even holds more true now that Dominic has faced the most shots on goal than any goalkeeper this season. And Valencia just and didn't. He does good. He does good. He, but Valencia just didn't care about him at all this game. Like it was like, it's, it just, I feel bad for him almost. He actually had, he could have done better on, um, uh, which goal was it? I think it was the 1 1 that, where Zhao Felix gets behind Correa. Felix. Yeah, I think that was sloppy, sloppy defending. Like, it was, yeah, it was. Um, and Correa. See, I felt yeah. that up until that point, Valencia actually were the better team. I thought I was more impressed Valencia in the first half. They had a good start. The second half after, yeah. Sorry, finish your thought. Well, uh, I was going to get into kind of a similar thing that you were getting into. I think so. Like they actually started good, and the Ratchet goal was incredible. It was made me jump out of my seat oh my when he gets like from that position oh 
when he was winding up for that, my my initial impression was like that's going outside the stadium. That's Those are the long. hardest yeah, you know. shots to hit. You're kind of leaning back, and it's a one-touch square ball. Those are so hard. Unless you really hit it with your laces, that's going to go over the bar like 99 times out of 100. But he just yeah, kind of placed it safe. with yes. velocity from, what was it, 35 yards it seemed? It was an unbelievable goal. One Way of the goals out. of the season. Yeah. For sure. Way the fuck out. Yeah. I was very impressed. Uh, Valencia's right back, it- uh, Correa. Mm. He was good up until I thought letting Jao Felix score the equalizer and after that he was a bit of a bit of a train wreck and um you know cuz up until that point he was doing a good job of even limiting Carrasco's offensive runs but then he had some bad decisions on the ball um I'm surprised he didn't get booked on a couple of occasions for some some bad challenges but um this Valencia team does have some things going for them at least from a young player development standpoint. Like Manu Vallejo is an impressive attacking player. And Yusuf Musa is really mm. impressive attack. I I love Musa in this game because he's he he's really good at carrying the ball and advancing the ball like lightning quick when when most players would like slow it down and kill the attack. He he goes he just goes vertically really fast, north south, and just tries to create something. And if there's nothing then he'll slow it down. Um, I really like his game, but but this is just really the story of this was Atletico are just I don't see how they magically slow down unless it's actually They're physically not. Barcelona and Real Madrid who who take points off them, which is possible. Yeah, I don't know. It's I mean for me Atletico right now, you know it's it's you would have to be a fool to bet against them if it wasn't already clear when the you know when the, once the season's got going. I mean, I think I started to call them league champions back in October already. I don't know. Our listeners will have to check me on that or uh, I'll check myself. I don't remember, but it's been a long time coming that the solidity of this team uh, was pretty apparent from the get go. So, you know, whether some have a night off, like you said, others will step up. I mean, Luis Suarez is still the hot shit over in, in, in Aleti and, you know, challenging to be uh, Pichichi for, uh, this season, Llorente also had chances himself. You said he had an off night, but he could have still gotten on the scoreboard had it not been for Dominic, who I think performed some good saves again. Uh, one of the reasons why I mentioned him as, as one of the goalkeepers of uh, the season so far. He's got so much work each and every single game. Um, but um, it's uh, things are just clicking. And, you know, it's it, you got players that are... Again, I thought Joao Felix had a fantastic game. You know, the, the fact that he uh, basically allows Suarez to score the two-one. I mean, it's him that run, runs into this into space, forcing Valencia to have. A, well, I, I have to say, I was quite surprised with Valencia having such a, a high line uh, when the score score yeah, was tied. Disaster. Um, it was a disaster, right? I mean, and and Felix did very well, obviously, to to stretch that uh, line as well as 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 wide as possible running into space, uh, but good job for Suarez for keeping up and, and eventually, uh, you know, tapping or getting in his goal as well, allowing him to um, yeah, potentially become, like I said, Pichichi of the season. It's, I mean, that second half was, was a wrap, basically. If, if I felt that Valencia had a good initial, what, what, what would I say, maybe 25, 30 minutes, um, 
you know, it was a wrap by the, by the second half. And what, what disappoints me about this Valencia team is, you know, you look at the players on the pitch and you look at what they have on the bench and you see names like Gedes, you see names like Gamero, uh, those two in particular. I think Canning Lee as well, um, a player that, that promised a lot, but we've seen very little of. In fact, uh, I don't. I mean, he didn't get any minutes this game, neither did he. It's it's. Um, they, they still have interesting pieces there, but you know, it, I don't. I don't want to say. I don't want to say that word. I think that's disrespectful to players. But they, let's just say, I don't want to say the word I'm thinking. But let's just say that they, players like Gedish and, and Gamedo in particular, need to do a whole lot more and 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 are responsible. I think partly partially responsible. Uh, for the situation that this team is in, because they're they're better than that, you know. I think they're better players to be sitting on the bench for so long, uh, and more should be expected off of these from these players with with that much talent. Well, just going back to um, Atleti for a second, mm. you know, you mentioned Jao Felix, and and yeah, one one thing when I did mention Llorente having a quiet game, I I forgot to also mention. He did obviously have a really, really nice assist at the end there to Korea. Yeah, um, right, right. Good so, Zhao Felix hasn't really been Zhao Felix for, for, I don't know, for some time, but maybe in like a few weeks. You know, he hasn't started every game. He's been coming up the bench. He's been yeah. going to the bench. And even when his time yeah. on the field, although he has moments like the, the Suarez assist you mentioned, he's been, he hasn't been himself. And... I think that makes Atleti's achievements even more impressive, right? This is I, they mm. can just they can afford Zhao Felix having off nights and still come away with with big victories it's because mm. everyone contributes mm. in some way. They don't way. really need him. I mean, that's the thing. Like, the, I don't want to say they don't need him, and and I think that in this game particularly, I thought Zhao's fighting spirit uh, was you know probably the best sign and one of the things that I was most impressed with, even though you know from a I guess from a football perspective, it wasn't the best. But we've seen, like you said, we've seen games where he's on the bench or where he comes in late, checks in late, and things are already under control. Yeah. So I think so. The statement of we don't need him, I know what you're saying. I think, but I think if you, but the thing is, he raises your ceiling. So mm. if he's playing at his peak level, I think he mm. can be the difference between like something like winning the champions even and not you know because if you get because mm, if you, mm. if they have bad games in, in big in like big moments and you have someone like that who can kind of transcend the what's going on in the field i think he raises your ceiling in those situations if he's playing at his peak but yeah so yes. but to grind yes. out these but to grind out these victories yeah they they really they can get away with him not being at his best his best mm. so do you want to talk about us? Real Madrid at all? I do, but but I think we got to... Or, I mean, as you want, but we have to mention the Supercopa champions and their thrashing. Oh, that was crazy. 5-1 spectacle. Uh, now, I know that, you know, Marcelino and Bordalas can't stand each other, but I didn't know Marcelino's hate runs that deep. <laughs> Is that true? I didn't know that. <laughs> well, they don't like each other. Don't you remember Valencia Getafe? When uh, you know, shit oh yeah, off oh, the players at the benches and, and yeah, the press conference. It was Marcelino, wasn't it? Or, uh, wait, who was the one that was, was complaining about like defensive tactics? Say so, like this team defends uh, too much and it's not football or something. 
Well, I think everybody that plays Getafe feels that way. From I, I feel like Aguirre was involved in that I'm pretty sure somehow. That was... Oh man! I, 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 so I, I, anyways, I thought I mean, lingering in my memory bank, which uh, the older I get, the worse it gets. I, I, I was pretty sure that Marcelino and Bordalas had had bad blood between the two. Okay, and uh, this this victory must have been just extra satisfying. And and dude, I mean, Atleti Club, they're looking like. You know, Showtime Lakers or something. I mean, Munyahin is pulling passes out of his ass that remind me more of basketball plays, like that little turnaround alley oop, like you know, lob cross to uh, Raúl García for who puts that in the back of them. I mean, how many like alley oop goals did we see in this game? There were at least, I mean, I counted you know three, at least three, maybe even four, you know, crosses and then and then either headers or, or, or tapping volley. Bali tap-ins, etc. Um, yeah, it's it's impressive, man. I mean, this team is is coming off being champion, coming off beating Real Madrid and Barca, coming off uh, 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 changing manager, and and now thrashing a team like Getafe. And we know, obviously, defensively, despite you know, or, or, or regardless of how they are this season, we all know that they've taken a dip, and and they are where they are in the league standings uh, because of it. Um, but Still, putting five past the Bordelas team is is not an easy task. And um, uh, Atleti Club, man, looking, uh, you know, they're they're strutting their stuff at the moment. They're looking looking like the hot shit in La Liga at the moment. So I just did some quick digging on Marcelino and Bordelas. So apparently, maybe you knew this, maybe you didn't. I don't know, but apparently, hmm. he he entered the field. Uh, Marcelino entered the field late because just in order to avoid the handshake with Bordelas and then went to the tunnel before the final whistle ah, so he could see. avoid the handshake again. And actually, he go. even missed Kukurea's goal, the one that was scored early because he was <laughs> like late. 20 seconds? Yeah. Uh, and then he was asked about it after the game and he, he just said, um, no, I just had to go to the bathroom or something. <laughs> Oh man! Imagine walking onto the field and your team's already down one nil. I still don't remember what happened. Like what was because uh, from what I'm reading, it happened in the Copa del Rey, something with Valencia and Fadava. But I don't remember the exact instance. I feel like I have a vague memory of it, but I don't remember what it was. Anyways, so but it it had mm -hmm. been a long time coming in press conferences where shots were being fired fired between these two coaches. Yeah. So. yeah, Real Madrid beat Alaves. That's the thing that happened. Hey, oh my gee. Hey, but I mean, looking pretty good. I mean, you, I, you know, I could hear from your intro this morning that that the hope is is back. I mean, you know, look, it's uh, Pacheco. The way you did was is is again not an easy feat. It's uh, not an easy task, I should say. The it's, bare it's, minimum uh, I can uh, do on any churros intro is just to give a few hours. That's the bare minimum. It's two degrees here, and it, that means it's above zero, and that's a good day. It's a good day. It's a, it's above mm-hmm. zero, so I'm give, I'm rolling mm-hmm. my R's. But it, but you know, with Real Madrid, it was more of like a. So we were after after the game in the Managing Madrid podcast. Matt and I were talking about like. So I'll give you a quick anecdote. Okay. I was at my dad's house earlier in the day, and uh, I was just actually dropping Luca off because. Uh, I had dinner plans that night, and I was like, "You, you Luca, can sleep here tonight because uh, I don't, 
I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't want to worry about that. You just, you take my son. So I was there and uh, he was like, so he was like asking about it. I was like, yeah, well, I have to watch Ray Amjur game at, uh, at three o'clock. And uh, he said, oh, they play today. And I said, yep. And then he said, well, to be honest, I'm, I, I'm just probably not going to watch it. And, and he was like, I'm not really excited to watch Real Madrid anymore. And he's like, he, he'll watch things after, like, especially, I mean, if you ch- basically, he's well within his right. If he had a choice to hang out with his grandson or watch this version of Real Madrid, it's a grandson every time, right? Right. Um, okay. Now, if it's like Real Madrid versus Atletico in the Champions League final, he may dump the grandson outside and it's like, and, and, <laughs> and watch the game instead. But, um, but I completely understand. So, and then after the game, and you look at everything, it's like 4 1. And we were reflecting on it. We're like, wait, does this count as a fun Real Madrid game? We had to think about it because we weren't, I wasn't. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It wasn't like, but it wasn't amazing, but it wasn't bad. And 4 1 should be pretty routine for Real Madrid these days, but it's not. And it's there. These results are hard to come by. You got a lot of great passing and performances just from Modric and Cruz. You had a nice bounce back game from Hazard. You had a good Benzema game. You had a good Casemiro game. So good things happening. I don't think, you know, they're obviously we'll never say Real Madrid are in the clear or they're going to start a run of form. Um, This is classic Real Madrid. You follow crisis with something good so that people forget about it. Maybe you go on a little bit of run of form. You probably be Atalanta a couple times in February and until the next disaster that, that happens. So, um, you know, I haven't spoken to you last Monday, so this was kind of the arc. The arc was um, about the same time that Real Madrid get knocked out of the Copa del Rey. Pretty much that day, we we're talking about Martin Odegaard going on loan, and everyone was like, "What the hell? This is yeah. terrible." And so, uh, I mean, mm. and uh, Arsenal played today. Obviously, Odegaard's not going to be involved because nothing official hasn't even been announced yet. But it's we just know no. that I think medicals are done or, or whatnot, so it's it's inevitable. So. Uh, you know that's something what we want to keep an eye on. Obviously, um, it is interesting. I mean, Real Madrid's depth is kind of dissolving into thin air. One benefit might be if there's any silver lining to this is that when you kind of tighten the depth chart and you tighten the rotation a bit, one potential side effect is that the players who are left get to play a lot and. I mean, well, that could be bad because you could get burnout. But at the same time, players like Asensio, players like Fede Valverde, players like Isco are big winners in this. Players like Mariano is a big winner of Jovic leaving. I've always been vocal that like when people say too much, too much depth is a good problem, I actually don't think it's a good problem. I just think it's a, it's a problem no. full stop. We've seen this countless yeah. amount of times in sports. If you have too many players, people are unhappy. The morale is low. Those who play don't get rhythm. The others are banished. It's not It's not a good thing to have too much depth. I think it's actually detrimental. So if you can tighten the rotation a little bit and you can, and, and I think a lot of Real Madrid fans will roll my eyes when I say this, but if let's say somebody like Isco starts playing a lot and he starts to find rhythm or Asensio starts to find rhythm, two players that a lot of Real Madrid fans don't like. Um, so I, I don't mind if you're rolling your eyes, but... If uh, if you can get those guys minutes and Fetty minutes and Odegaard develops well at Arsenal, it's not a terrible scenario. Um, I can I'll be skeptical about it, but just the whole thing. But I actually think that's the silver lining. If something good comes out of this, is that you tighten the rotation, 
You get rid of them for the players remaining. The ones on loan will play well. Jovic already is playing well. And and then, yeah. But the, I guess the issue is, Diego, problems don't get solved uh, next summer. You know, what changes next summer if Odegaard and Jovic play really well at Arsenal and, um, and Frankfurt? What changes next summer for them? Nothing. All these players who they're competing with are still in the squad. So I don't, I don't really know what the long-term are they, are they, answer how is. How long are the long spells? Um, until the end of the year. The season or the year? This season. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not much. Uh, and, and it's also, I mean, it's not, in the case of uh, Jovic, of course, he goes to the team that he was playing at before where he left a legend and obviously comes back a legend, banging in goals. How many does he have now? Three already? I think it's three. Um, yeah. So he's familiar, you know, in the surroundings. He walks into the the locker room and, and really doesn't have much to prove in that uh, that locker room was his not very long ago where he uh, reached the level where a team like uh, a club like Real Madrid deemed him good enough to pick up. In the case of Odegaard, I'm very curious what how his adaptation will be and, and how much you know time he will need, I guess, to in order to display the talent that he uh, um, has and managed to show particular last season with uh, Real Sociedad because you know Arsenal is in disarray. It, it's uh, they're not in good form. They're not in a good state right now. It's uh, the whole Premier League is kind of funny for that matter, right? I mean, and um, such a in, in such a short time, you know, for such a young player, you wonder just I guess the impact that he can have and also how his progress if any, you know, how we're better said what his development will be in such a short time span and how he will come back uh, at, to a club where the manager, you know, will most likely still be the same. I mean, depending on how the season goes. And of course, I, I'm speaking big words here by claiming that Zizou will still be around next season. That will be dictated by how Real Madrid finish off the season. They're already out of the Copa del Rey. They crashed out of the Super Cup as well. So those are two titles gone. You have La Liga, which is you know not out of hand's reach, but it'll be very difficult given the solidity of uh, your your city neighbors. And in the Champions League, well, Madrid has certainly done this several times where they stink in La Liga, but still managed to uh, lift the Champions League trophy. Whether that would be the case this season, you know, it, it, it's is to be seen. Uh, and if not, then what will Florentino Perez do? Will he opt for a revolution and? Um, you know, bid uh, the legendary Madrid manager farewell, or will he hold on to him? I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's this summer is going to be very interesting. It with, with so much talk as every season, of course, about transfers, and and in the case of Madrid, whether Mbappe will come or go, whether Messi will come to PSG, allowing Mbappe for a move. Mbappe obviously recently saying that if he's going to sign or re-sign uh, with PSG, uh, will be for many, many more years. So I don't know how that. <clears throat> bomb fell into uh, within the Madrid camp, whether that's something that kind of demoralized them or if that's more, you know, kind of say a, a strategic uh, a statement that um, still allows Madridistas to have uh, some hope that they can pick up uh, the French striker. I don't know, but, um, but it'll be very interesting. I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't know how this loan spell of Odegaard, uh, how much it will benefit him uh clearly his situation in in madrid was uh, less than desirable but i would have much preferred him 
go to Real Sociedad for that matter, as opposed to having to go to a team that has got their own shits and, and trials and tribulations currently, and, and where he has to get walk into a locker room where he's unfamiliar, where he doesn't know anybody, doesn't know that this is the first time he's playing in the Premier League. You know, it's it, it uh, the, along with La Liga, the two best leagues in the world. It's not an easy task, and and I imagine it won't be for him neither. So, I don't know. I, I'm I'm quite skeptical and and about him his move there, and I was pretty disappointed because I thought that Real Sociedad, at least that's what I was reading, that he was asking or demanding to to be loaned out to Real Sociedad. So I don't know what happened there, but you know, I wish him luck in Arsenal. That's for sure. I think there were two stumbling blocks with him going back to La Real, and that one was Real Sociedad reportedly wanted to have an extended loan spell and a buyback oh, option, and or a buyback sure. option, and Arsenal were willing okay. to 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 just do the the loan until the end of the season. The other one, which was never said publicly, but it has to have been a factor on some level, is that David Silva is there, and. Yeah, yeah, you know you can you can talk yourself into playing both of them together, or rotating them in and out of the lineup. David Silva is really still good, and he plays in Odegaard's preferred position. And I think that on a some kind of level had to have been some that had to have been some kind of stumbling block there. Um, I will say, sure. but Odegaard and Arsenal, I'm actually I'm growing. It's growing on me, and I think look, it's true that he doesn't walk into that locker room with friends immediately the way he would at Real Sociedad. I think he has some, some, uh, I guess, some easy, easy connections though. Like, I, like Arteta reportedly mm. really was pushing for this and called Odegaard and talked to him. Sure, um, that's an instant, yeah. you know, that's an instant vote of confidence. You know, somebody like Danny Ceballos, yeah. although I don't know if they know each other that well or not, but natural allies who I think you can kind of connect with. But um, I'm interested in this because I think Arsenal desperately needs some help in offense. They need somebody like him. Um, they have players that are kind of stepping into the uh, the fold, like Smith Rowe and stuff. But Odegaard gives you something more proven at this point of the uh, of the, the, the careers of those two, respectively. And I also think it it has the potential to do really well. Here's but here's the thing, and I and I made this point in my column. Because you brought up the fact, like, what happens at the end of the season and stuff. The reality is that with Real Madrid next summer, nothing really changes from a, from a squad construction standpoint in the sense that all these players will be under contract that he competes with, bar possibly, possibly Lucas Vasquez if they don't agree to a deal. And Lucas Vasquez isn't obviously directly competing with Odegaard, but he, he, he competes with him indirectly because he takes up minutes on the right wing. And... And but but other than him, everyone from Asensio, Isco, even Bale, by the way, Bale, I, Tottenham, I don't think are going to take him back. And if they do, well, God bless them. But mm. you know, Bale is still a Real Madrid player, and I don't know if anything. This is not going to be that much easier for Real Madrid to get rid of him next summer. So nothing really changes next summer. But yeah. here's what might change, because you said you kind of brought up Zidane's job security, and you also mentioned that in the past, Real Madrid have not needed to be good to win the Champions League. And that's true. And unfortunately, no one knows that better than me or any Real Madrid fan who has been watching this team for a long time. But I will say this about those Real Madrid teams that won the Champions League when they weren't that good. They had one common denominator in them and that they all had legends and superstars that could carry the team. So in mm-hmm. 97, uh, it was everyone from... 
Piero Redondo, Roberto Carlos. Raul, who did not play uh, a prominent role in the Champions League final, but pre- played a prominent role in that season. You pa- fast forward a few years later when our couple years. Yeah, Mihatovic obviously scored the goal. A couple years later, when Real Madrid were fifth in the Champions League and were about to lose their Champions League spot to Real Zaragoza, that team that beat Valencia in the final in Paris had Raul at his peak, Redondo at his peak, Roberto Carlos at his peak, McManaman playing at a very high level, Salgado playing at his peak, Casillas um, breaking through. Breaking what they, they had that um, big game ceiling, and then... Sadorf still around, I think. Sadorf's gone at that point. I think he left mid-season in that season, but he contributed mm-hmm. the first half of the season. But my point is, I don't think Real Madrid has that this season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I look. I'd that love could... to be proven wrong, and obviously Benzema is a clear candidate. Ramos is a candidate. Hazard, if he gets going, I just don't know if they Hazard. have that in them. Yeah. So that's but yeah. the but um, the reason I bring this up is because that's I think their last chance at a title, right? Because I don't know if you yeah. and I both seem to be on the same page. At Atletico is not going to drop enough for them to lose mm-hmm. the league title, and even if they did, it means Real Madrid and Barcelona have to be flawless, right? So yeah. let's assume. With the caveat that if we're wrong, we're wrong. I don't know what to tell you. But mm-hmm. if Atletico mm-hmm. win the league title and Real Madrid have to win the Champions League title, and that's the deciding factor that Zidane stays. And look, if anyone can outlast an, uh, a trophyless season at Real Madrid, it's someone that has enough credit in the bank like Zidane. But I don't know if in this case that will save him. So that's, that's what potentially would change is if Zidane is gone in the summertime. And then all of a sudden you have mm-hmm. a fresh set of eyes yeah. looking at the Odegaard situation, looking at the Jovic situation, yes. possibly even the Regulon situation, and and so forth. That that's I think what the only thing that would change at that point. I think it's a really interesting analysis and, and breakdown uh, between comparing the the elder that that those older teams that won the Champions League that uh, didn't fare well in in the domestic league. I, I would argue that. I do see pieces of that, though, in this present Real Madrid. You mentioned Benzema. Uh, you mentioned Hazard, you know, two superstars in their own right. And, uh, you know, even against um, Alaves now, I thought Benzema played fantastic. I mean, the talent that, that that guy has to create chances, at least, doesn't always finish it. Um, but he creates those chances. And we all know that when in those pressure situations of the Champions League, those chances, I think, fall, you know, they can fall either way. And and in the knockout phase in a team uh, or in a game where the nerves are high, a team like Real Madrid could easily, I mean easily, could most definitely uh, lift the Champions League trophy at the end of it because two pieces that you didn't mention, which was kind of surprised me, you know, you mentioned veterans like uh, Roberto Carlos, uh, uh, Raul, etc. You've got uh, Modric and Kroos, particularly in the case of Modric, playing at a very high level at the moment. What's to say that he that they are not able to keep that up in uh, such a, 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 I guess, short tournament, if you will, um, where every minute, every second counts, where you know a ball can drop in favor or against you, and, and a goal can go in and, and completely change the momentum. And if it does fall in favor for Real Madrid with players, veteran players that had that experience, that had that pedigree of going long, deep into those big tournaments and, and eventually also winning them. 
Um, I would be a little bit more optimistic if I was a, a Madridista and my chances to, to advance to the latter stages and who knows even lift the trophy despite uh, the, the poor form in, the, in La Liga. Uh, I do see a good mix in that sense between veteran players and also younger, more hungrier stars. And I think a lot of it will come down to how Zizou manages to not just manage the dressing room, but but motivate those players. I don't know. I get a sense, and, and poor, poor guy has uh, COVID at the moment. I don't know how he's doing at home. I hope he's well. Um, yes. But it, 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 he, he, it, you know, the, I think the importance of the coach cannot be understated neither. And, and uh, I don't know if Zizou necessarily has what it takes to really strike a match and, and light a fire in the bellies of these players, maybe, maybe that, that is something, because I think if you look at it from a talent perspective, you know, you would have to argue the case or think there's more uh, points for you to argue the case that yes, you know, this team could win the champions league as opposed to not. I just don't know. You know, even when you look at Zizou's demeanor and the press conferences, and obviously I don't know what he's like on the pitch on the training ground, or rather, uh, again, I imagine at the moment he's feeling pretty downtrodden, seeing as, as he's dealing with COVID nineteen. But but uh, just generally speaking, in the press conferences, his, his general demeanor seems pretty kind of like I don't know, a little bit uh, heavy and, and, and a little bit depressing, a little somber. So uh, yeah, and it, it, it I guess it kind of surprises me of, of Zizou as well. That that that, that and, the, and again, tell me if I'm wrong, Zizou, but that's just the 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 feeling, I guess, the sensation that I'm getting watching him. Well, going back to your point about, well, what about legends like Modric and, and Cruz who are playing at a high level? I think these are all good counterpoints in, to what I said. And the other thing that I can maybe add to your counterpoint is that if you look at the European landscape right now, there are other big teams who are struggling who would normally be in the mix. Um, yes. Like Juventus, like Liverpool. Now, but again, this is... Like PSG. Their, they're PSG, they're, but they're, they, all of those people might look at this and say, well, we're in the same boat. And so for that reason, you know, we have a chance too because yeah. everybody's struggling. I think Manchester City and Bayern are probably the two teams that look maybe the most um, in character, you would say. Mm-hmm. I'm not, mm-hmm. I guess we can't talk about Manchester United anymore because they're not in, in the mix um, in on a European scale. But I also, yeah, I mean, the other thing is, I think Liverpool will be like a, a better team in the springtime. Just a hunch. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I don't know, but if that, that's if that if there's a if there's a way to do it, it's it's through kind of all those things. And that this is a very weird year, and uh, everyone is struggling. And the other, but the other thing is like if they actually manage to pull it off this season, I would remember mm-hmm. it as one of the more I assume I'd probably remember it as one of the most fond Champions League victories, even with our history, because wow. to pull it off with a team like this would be incredibly difficult, and uh, that would be a feat in itself. So, but uh, look, but the thing is, like, okay. so this is this is where my own contradiction comes in. That I've long been vocal that this squad is is actually a really good squad and is built and is is mm. equipped enough to win all the major trophies. It's just not being used properly. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, the same can be said for Barca, I think, you know, it. I, I just feel like yeah. it's not, you know, individually, you look at the team and, and you can, I mean, I don't want, okay, maybe not household names, but certainly I think within the football community, 
they are household names uh, when you look at it on paper. And then when you look at it out on the field, yeah, they just it doesn't pass the eye test, right? It's not being used properly. Um, and that's why I mentioned that the the manager, I don't know if, if Zizou really has what it takes to pull these guys over the, the line or if the if that motivation, if that that yeah, that, that encouragement needs to come from the dressing room within. We haven't even mentioned Sergio Ramos yet. Um, another, you know, <laughs> I did mention legend Ramos. of the game, of course. Oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> who uh, who might, you know, before packing his bags and, and also moving to Paris, might just want to, you know, bang one last, out, went last one out for, <laughs> for the Madrid side. <laughs> uh, what did we miss? Do we want to address anything? Joaquin, I guess. Oh, yeah, Joaquin. Old man still doing his thing. We'll never get old saving man, Betis. Like, like good, good on Betis and everything. Like, I, I give my props uh, to uh, to Pellegrini, but, uh, but Jesus, I, I think that, um, you know, Real Sociedad should have done much, much better to hold on to that yep. 2-0 uh, lead. Like, the, those those two goals in the final, in the last five minutes look more... I mean, like good press and obviously good intensity for on, on Betty's part to to force those defensive mistakes, but the defense looked very sloppy and, and checked out at that point. Yep, which is um, which is unfortunate. It was a disappointing collapse for them, and they continue to to struggle of late. Um, mm. I think you mentioned earlier in this podcast that they've yeah. dropped out of the top five and only one win in their last five. So. Oh yeah, long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you um, what, they are currently uh, in sixth. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Real is on top. I, uh, All right, boy. I will use this opportunity. Hey, good luck. To... We're back, baby. <laughs> We're back. We will be back Friday, right? Can we keep that promise? Yes. Okay. Yes, That's yes, over yes. on patreon.com slash churros y tacticas. Go there. If you want access to it, it's, uh, I believe the minimum pledge is $3 a month. USD, not even euros, USD. So um, You can pay us in bitcoins as well if you want. Is that possible? We'll make it work. Email us. We'll do something under the table here. And, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we broke down the calories in the churros and also the price of the churros. And you can actually, for less calories and less money, get access to this podcast. So, yes. no brainer. Healthier and more value. And we love our churros. We're going to have a big churros spread at some point when this yes. pandemic is over. But uh, yeah, go to patreon.com slash churros y tacticas. And thank you, guys. Thank you, Diego. Chat soon. Take care. See you, you Friday. Guys. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. See you. Sports Social Podcast Network.